This episode of Hockey Press Pass is presented in part by the Main Street Board Game Cafe in Huntington Village. Unplug your game. Buy board games. Play board games. Food and drink. Fun and friends. Ardo Cal named three people in the broadcasting industry who have served as mentor for you or who have provided invaluable guidance along the way. So I have three. Number one is Ron McLean. Uh, he inspired me. He was like the first guy that I saw, first person that I saw on television and said he has the coolest job in the world. So I would say he was my first inspiration uh, to even think about getting into broadcasting. Second one is a name that not many people know. His name is Doug Anderson. Unfortunately, he passed away. He was my first broadcast partner when I was doing Ontario Hockey League games with the Brampton Battalion. He was my play-by-play partner, and he taught me a lot. Uh, He was really the person that taught me the mechanics of the role, uh, how to conduct myself at arenas, uh, how to how to build contacts, how to basically do the job, because I was really young and starting out at that time. So he really helped me out in my early years. Uh, Third one uh, has an Islanders connection, which I'll get to in a second. But Mean Gene Okerlund, a lot of wrestling fans will remember that name. Uh, He helped me a lot in my career, especially when I was in the pro wrestling bubble, making it to WWE. We would meet probably once a week. Uh, he would come to Stanford, Connecticut, and we would just have a long, con- like long conversations about the industry and what to do and what not to do and how to survive in uh, the pro wrestling space, etc. So he was an invaluable resource to me. And his son Todd was drafted by the Islanders. He never played, but uh, that's the Oakland Islanders connection. Yeah, one, uh, one of my first years with the Islanders, uh, Todd was drafted, and Mean Gene was uh, great with us. And uh, yes, there's the Islander connection. Our guest is Arda Okal, who. Was over, it was all over ESPN's coverage of the NHL as host of In the Crease. The game coverage features stories. He's also an anchor on SportsCenter. You may know him from his previous work at MSG Network, WWE, The Score, Ontario Hockey League, and even the Weather Channel. Arda, you've done you've done it all. He's also a wizard at esports and is the voice of the NHL Gaming World Championship. I'd actually like to start with SportsCenter because my entire life, because I work in sports, people ask me this question like I should know. How do you, it seems like a magic trick. When you're hosting, who writes it? Like there are, there, are, there are elements that seem like it's your intro to the clips package, but they can't all be. So how does that, how does that whole thing come together? Yes, so to pull the curtain a little bit, uh, obviously there's many talented producers that put the show together and organized segments and what highlight will go where and what story will be covered where etc and it gets especially dicey when there's breaking news i mean I'll, I'll give you an example i remember i was going on to a night sports center minutes before the ronald acuna jr injury dropped like it literally we had a show we had written everything segments etc and then as soon as that news dropped everything blew up the whole rundown blew up because you have to start that, that, that leads the show right and so everything changes you try and get guests you know what what who can we get to talk about this where does it go uh etc and, and organizing everything so but that's like part of the fun of doing sports center that organized chaos right Some, sometimes it's a show that you've worked on for the last several hours and nothing changes other times many things change uh, and, and it depends by time of day as well so to answer your question directly 
Um, I we typically write anything that is an on camera or a, a voiceover. Um, the the teases are written by a different department uh, called the Rise Department. Uh, they they handle the teases, the bumps uh, to break, etc. But a lot of what you see is written by me. Like if I'm on SportsCenter, a lot of what you see will be written by me. But um, the highlights really sometimes you have hours with a highlight shot sheet other times you just get it handed to you moments before or even just an update especially if it's the night sports center and there are games still going on if it's a night game and we're on at the 11 and that started at 10 eastern for example well we're only going to be able to give you a couple highlights and you know maybe it's just a bullet point of oh uh, lebron three-pointer uh steph curry from the logo kind of thing so in that case it's really just instinctive off the top of your head because you're not really preparing much for things like that. Honestly, I I just think it's amazing. I I did theater when I was young and sometimes I see the guys or the women standing there and be like, how do they pull that off? And do your knees ever buckle at all in in, in those moments? I mean, would you get, uh, uh, you know, goosebumps or anything before you'd start or any nerves before you start, especially your first ones on ESPN doing the sports center. Listen, you, you've worked your whole life for this. Don't get me wrong. You've been doing, you've been at this for a long time, but was it, what was it like for you those first couple? The first one was a very, I was very nervous because honestly, like nothing really, when I think about it, nothing really prepares you for that kind of show, except for that show because there's so many moving parts and there's so many things that are happening behind the scenes that it's it's just such a like I mentioned it was like organized chaos but the the the, the thing that got me the most was the weight of the chair like it was like sitting in that chair where so many legends before me and still currently sit right like sports center is an institution not just in sports but America right like like it, it is a worldwide brand and the brand recognition is very high and it's still something that is extremely respected, not just by sports fans, right? And so to, like, I guess I, I thought about that a lot going into my first sports center. It was like, I feel very honored and blessed that I would be chosen to, I would be bestowed the um, the opportunity to do a show that has so much legacy behind it and respect behind it. You know what I mean? So like, I didn't take that lightly and sure there was a lot of nervousness coming from that because it's like the biggest thing is I just didn't want to screw up. Right. Like it's, it's funny. Like um, uh, someone, I I forget who it was. It might've been our rules analyst, Dave Jackson, that mentioned this to me, like had a really good analogy for, for, for doing something that you've done a very long time. Like, he basically said, said a scene, he's like, listen, say you had a two by four in a classroom. My teacher says, okay, I'm going to put this two by four on the ground. Who can walk over this two by four if it's on the ground in class? And everyone raises their hands. And then he says, okay, now I'm going to put it between two desks. Who can walk along it? And maybe a few less people raise their hands, but most of the class do. Now I'm going to put this two by four atop two skyscrapers. Who can walk across it, right? So like the magnitude of the task is really what's the nerve-wracking part. It's not the task itself. It's something that you've done a, long, a lot and you've prepared for, but just because it's that chair on that show. Uh, and afterwards, I was like, I, I couldn't go to sleep for ha- at least a day. Oh, I <laughs> can imagine. And you know you, what I mean? Yeah, and you've done a great job on it, too. I've seen you a bunch of times on the show. My last one on SportsCenter, uh, Arda. 
before you do your first one, and this might sound like a really silly question, but before you do your first one, is there some sort of training program? Like in theater, an understudy comes in, he, gets a, he or she gets a few days you know, of rehearsal. Is there anything, or the first time you're on SportsCenter, you're on SportsCenter? So I, I, you actually, I actually, and I think this happens with many anchors, I shadowed every sports center. So I sat in on at least one episode of every sports center, the AM, the noon, the six, and the evenings. Uh, and I had also done sports center on different platforms. So I had done sports center radio uh, many times up until that point, sports center on Snapchat, which is very much a different beast, uh, but still part of the sports center umbrella. So I had done different versions of sports center, but of course nothing really quite prepares you for sports center TV. But that was invaluable to sit down with the anchors and see how they prepare and talk to the producers and see how the show is put together and ask them, okay, what do I need to know? How should I prepare? What should I be looking for? What should I bring to the table, et cetera? So that was basically the, I guess, the onboarding process, so to speak, is going through, uh, shadowing every single one and then uh, literally hitting the ground running with my first one. I'm, I Honestly, I'm really glad I asked and thank you for your time on that because uh, I, in the last eight minutes, I learned things that I never knew and now my friends always have those answers for them or hopefully <laughs> they'll listen to the darn podcast. On to, on to hockey. Uh, growing up, around Oakville, Ontario, which I personally know is the home of my dear friend Harrison Brown more than any other hockey guys that might have come from there. And I'm aware there's some good guys, including some former Islanders who from there. Uh, Was this always the dream to to be on a national network or or and and doing the hockey? So I I idolized people who were talking into a microphone growing up but I never, ever thought that it would be a job that I could attain. I didn't know how to get it. I didn't know anybody personally. There was nobody in my network, my family or friends, that wasn't broadcasting. I just had no idea how these jobs were attained. I honestly did, and I saw the jobs. I thought they were awesome. Like My two biggest loves growing up were hockey and and, and combat sports. So I'd watch a lot of hockey, a lot of boxing, a lot of wrestling, and I'd always wonder, like, how do these – like, it wasn't the athletes. Like, obviously – you're watching because you want to see athletic competition. But for me, it was like, I love seeing how these people talk to these athletes during the game, after the game, like they're making it interesting and they're talking about the game in a way that I'm enthralled by it. Like that's honestly, oftentimes more than the game itself. I wanted to hear what people were talking about it on different shows and on the broadcasts. And so I always loved those jobs, but I never thought that it would be for me because I just didn't know how to get it. And also uh, I, and the product of immigrant parents. My parents uh, immigrated from Turkey to Canada, and their idea of the North American dream was much different than what I was allowed to dream, right? Like, it was very much, listen, like, we grew up in poverty. We came to this country for a better life. We want you to not have to struggle. So, you know, think about becoming a lawyer or a doctor, an engineer, because you you can go to college and you can get these jobs and have a good salary and, and have a comfortable life. And I and honestly, I went to school for mathematics for that reason, because I was just like, I guess this is what I'm going to have to do. But nights and weekends while I was there, instead of partying with my friends, going to clubs or whatever, I went to the local campus radio station or I went to the local uh, campus newspaper and I just I became I wrote a column or I became their features editor or I helped organize tapes uh, in, in the um, in the in the back room 
in the radio at the radio station. So I all the while, like in different stages of my career, like I kept doing it as a as my like biggest hobby. And then eventually at one point I just said, you know what, like I might as well just give this a try. Like I had been in the corporate world a few years. I'd been pretty decent with my money. So like I had a little bit of money that I could like survive off of, not like live lavishly, but like, you know, I could get by, scrape by for a couple years. And I thought, you know what, that would be worth it to see if I could actually make a go at broadcasting. By then I had a few uh, gigs that I had done at like local public access televisions. I was doing the OHL at the time. And so I thought, okay, well, I mean, I, I, I'll never be able to look at myself in the mirror when I'm 50 and, and, and if I didn't try and say, you know, I'll look at myself and say, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you make that effort when you were in your 20s, you know? So uh, so that's what I did. Was there a moment where you sat your folks down and broke the news to them that you're going to make this run? Uh, it was a long and gradual process. Uh, I, I figured, I, I guess maybe they were probably the biggest... Uh, I shouldn't, they were not, they didn't oppose it. They were obviously concerned as concerned parents would be and loving parents would be, uh, and going back to the whole, like, you know, this is a very difficult industry and you're going to struggle and you're not going to make a lot of money at first. And, you know, some people never make money in this industry as we know. Right. So, um, and they also thought, well, why can't you do this on the side? Like you've been doing and just continue to make money. And, uh, you know, and, and, and it just through a lot of conversations and through a lot of, heart to hearts uh they saw look okay he's pretty serious about it so their their big thing was put give yourself a fair amount of time but promise us if it doesn't work out after that amount of time that you will go back and and go back to the corporate world and go back to a job that you can live off of and i made that promise i said yes i will do that uh and and so i gave myself three years and that was a fair amount of deemed to be a fair amount of time, and luckily it worked out. Yes, it did. Looking back, uh, was the OHL experience uh, uh, Mississauga St. Mike's and Brampton Battalion, I believe. Uh, how crucial was that experience, and specifically, how did it help you as your career went on? Uh, invaluable, uh, especially just being around the hockey rink and understanding how to talk with players and get information and also present a hockey game uh, how to and and the best part about that was i did every role even color commentary which you would never like color commentary is usually for a person who played the game or who was like a an insider a reporter or something to that effect right like someone who is very much an expert of the game sure i grew up loving hockey but you know my primary role i would be better suited to be a host or a play-by-play announcer or a reporter between the benches uh, than I would a color commentator. But at a place like Rogers TV, because there were so few people, uh, you got an opportunity to do everything. One game I was doing play-by-play, another game I was doing color, another game I was between the benches, another game I was just collecting information and, and interviewing coaches and giving those stats to the announced team. Like it was, it was every position. I did, I did camera one game, like it, it, every position imaginable. So that was absolutely invaluable uh, in in eventually getting to hockey where I am now like I'm so glad that I had those several years in the OHL and the AHL to sort of learn everything we'll be right back with more hockey press pass with Arda Ocal hey guys it's producer Pat and I want to tell you about instat hockey 
Instat Hockey offers the largest statistical data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. Trusted by coaches, scouts, players, and of course, media personnel at every level of the game, there is no better choice than Instat to help in the evaluation of games and individual players. The Instat Hockey platform saves the user hours of time watching game film. Team and player statistics are pre-cut into separate playlists, including players' individual shifts, and all video clips can be edited, shared, and downloaded by the user. Visit instatsport.com hockey today for more info. Main Street Board Game Cafe in Huntington Village on Long Island's North Shore. Games for sale and games for play. Food and drink, beer and wine, fun and friends. Bring the magic of phones down, eyes up, tabletop board games to your family. Their staff will help you find the right board game for you. From card and party games to games for families to strategy games, we have it all. Get off your screens and unplug your game for a night your family will remember. Looking for groups to join? Our Magic, The Gathering, Dungeons & Dragons, or Warhammer communities are welcoming for all. Located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. Go to MainStreetBoardGameCafe.com for more information. Main Street Board Game Cafe. Find your crowd. Unplug your game. Among your other loves are are gaming and and interests, I should say, are uh, gaming and um, certainly WWE wrestling. Uh, Was there a point when you were working in wrestling that you thought maybe that's where you would stay? Or was hockey so, was hockey your first choice? If you if we could all pick our dreams, and we've been lucky. Yeah, hockey would have been my first choice, and I'll be honest, uh, I was always dissuaded from pursuing hockey by many people in the media. Like, I'm not trying to throw anyone under the bus here. I'm just like generalizing when I say there were many people that would say find a different niche because hockey is so popular, you know, very similar to the NFL in America, right? Like there's Mm. so many people that want to be hockey broadcasters in Canada uh, that even if one position comes open, there's going to be hundreds of people that will be vying for it. And so when I look back on it, I think I was affected by that. And I, and and I figured, well, maybe I should find the road less traveled, so to speak and explore that and then maybe come back to hockey at some point. I thought that that would be an, uh, something that I could do. Luckily it worked out for me when I look back on it, I can't believe it <laughs> in a way. Like, you know what I mean? Like how many people go from working at WWE to, right, definitely back in the day, I think it's um, much better now in 2021. Uh, but back in the day, uh, there was still very much a notion that, you know, you work at WWE, that, that stench is gonna follow you in your career forever. Uh, but that was something I knew very well. Uh, I grew up a wrestling fan, and I uh, worked in that bubble concurrently with uh, everything else I was doing. And then WWE came calling in 2014. And honestly, it was a great experience. I, I would never, uh, I mean, I, I didn't last very long there. Uh, changes were being made, unfortunately, like super fast when I got there. So I never really got, you know, my legs under me there. But uh, it was a good experience and it was also like that that was also very much an unattainable job to people in the wrestling industry so it's like the fact that I even made it there was sort of an accomplishment uh, which I hang my hat on for sure but but yeah I, I would say that probably I pursued wrestling more um, vigorously because I had gotten that advice so early about finding a 
a road less traveled kind of path. Otherwise, I probably would have stayed and pursued hockey the entire time because when I look back on it, that's what I ultimately wanted to do in the first place. When you uh, were doing the wrestling, and it, you know, this is fairly recent time. You said started two thousand fourteen, went till three or four years after that in, in different areas. Uh, you had the stage name or pseudonym Kyle Edwards. Um, yeah. I, I just have to ask, like, so I, I feel like I could have six answers to this question. Maybe all of them would be wrong. So I'll just ask you, why did you have a different name? So I knew that when I got signed at WWE that Arda Ocal would probably not fly uh, at that company at that time. WWE definitely changed a lot of last names as well, no matter what your name was. A big part of that is ownership of the name. So that obviously it's there. When you go there, you're a broadcaster, but at the end of the day, you're a character, right? Like you're basically playing the role of a broadcaster. A lot of times you're being fed questions to ask the wrestlers in, in the scenarios or whatever, right? So you're a character. You're, you're very much uh, an on-screen persona. And so they want to own the name, which is completely, I, I understood that. And I knew that. I had a lot of people that I knew who went to the WWE and their names got changed. It was a last name, whatever. Now, I hoped that they would have at least kept my first name, but may, but I know I also knew that WWE was very big on two first names. Uh, that is a big convention that they have among announcers. Uh, uh, Tom Phillips, Michael Cole, Jim Ross, Josh Matthews, Justin Roberts, Jim Ross. You know, you can see the pattern forming here. Uh, and some of them are real names and other ones they're not. But I knew that that would happen. So the story of me getting my name was uh, in the international department, they asked everyone to put together a list. And some took it seriously and some didn't. I got uh, like Ray Donovan was a, a name on the list. Uh, um, and, and like people were obviously they were kind of having fun with it. So final list, they asked me, OK, like you think of some yourself and pick a couple names. So I gave a bunch, and as I I heard this from three different people, so I'll choose to believe the story. Uh, Vince McMahon is very hands-on. Like, he is very, very, like, I want to know everything that's happening. And so apparently at the end of a creative meeting, uh, they said, okay, we have this new announcer. We have to change his name, give him a new name. Here's the list of names. And he looked at the names, and apparently he didn't like any of them. And he thought for a second, and he looked around in the, uh, the big – conference room where all the creatives were sitting and he looks around and he goes we don't have many Kyles in this company and so when Vince McMahon says something it's gospel so from that moment on nothing was going to make my name uh, uh, anything but Kyle like that was it so the first name they thought of was Kyle Richards and what they didn't realize was Kyle Richards is the name of a character on the Real Housewives of, I think it's Atlanta. So my name was Kyle Richards for five minutes before they did a Google search. And then they changed it to Kyle Edwards, uh, which I would, can only assume was inspired by NASCAR. If you merge Kyle Bush and Carl Edwards, you get Kyle Edwards. So that is the story of how I became Kyle Edwards. And no, it didn't bother me whatsoever because I knew that I would have to change my name. The funny thing was, by that point, 
I was already established as Arda in Canada, and my first gig in WWE was doing Canadian updates. So all of a sudden, this guy who looks familiar to wrestling fans shows up with a totally different name, and they're looking and watching the commercial breaks, and like, that's not a, who the hell is Kyle Edwards? You know what I mean? That that was funny. <laughs> hey, it worked out great. Really, I didn't think of it at the time, but you know, you, so you're Arda for your hockey thing, and you're. Kyle for for your wrestling thing, and so you could you could always go back and forth, right? Um, yeah. Your pin tweet uh, is you know it's very moving. Uh, we knew, know each other just a little bit, and I watched it again uh, today. Uh, it, it's you introducing on Sports Center a feature on Robert Sala, who's the first head coach in the NFL of Muslim faith. Uh, what did that moment mean to you? A lot. It meant a lot. And actually, my first Sports Center that I ever did in May was with. Uh, a guy by the name of Nabil Kareem, who's also Canadian, um, but he's a sports center anchor, also of Muslim faith. And I think that we, uh, Nabil and I, on that sports center, we became the first anchors of Muslim faith to host sports center together. I think that was the first time sports center was ever hosted, 41 years, you know, 1979. Uh, that was the first time that sports center was ever hosted by two anchors of Muslim faith, uh, as far as I understand. Uh, and there's very few. I think you can count on one hand the amount of anchors uh, of Muslim faith uh, who have hosted SportsCenter in general. And honestly, even in hockey, like I'm often the only person from my corner of the world that either works for a team or oftentimes for a station. Uh, and 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 I would love to see that change. I would love like I. One thing that I've started noticing, and it brings me great joy, is the amount of messages I'll get from people uh, across the country that suddenly are starting to watch hockey because I'm hosting a game. And I, obviously, look, I, I, I'm not saying in any way, shape, or form, you know, watch because I'm hosting. What I'm saying is I never had the luxury growing up of seeing people with similar names to me or similar backgrounds to me. Uh, that was very few and far between. Like when I think of inspirations that are similar to me, um, I, I, I or, or that, that had a like any sort of like connection to to anything I in my background, it's basically Muhammad Ali, right? Like the 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 the, the connection points are very few and far between. That's definitely changed now. There are definitely greater examples now, uh, and that's a great thing. And so when I get messages like that saying, you know, I watched you, I can't believe that. Even putting the umlauts on my O, I do that specifically. Like, there was a time when I was ashamed of that, where I was like, no, no. I, I, I honestly contemplated changing my name from Arda to Adam at one point because I thought it would get me more auditions or it would get me into a room faster while I was early on in my career. And, and, and honestly, that was some of the advice that I did get at some point because they thought, you know what, this might further you along. But now I embrace the, the, the difference and, and I embrace that and I want that to be a thing because it's going to inspire other people to want to pursue this because if they see it on, on television, if they see it on a broadcast, then they're going to be inspired and they're going to say, I can do this too. And I would love to be a touch point for those people who are getting inspired to try that because they saw it and they saw something similar to them. Because I didn't have that, and I would love to be that for, or at least a small part of that for many people watching now. And so that moment meant a lot to me. And I, I can't tell you how many people reached out and said, you know, how cool was it that you got to throw to a, a piece on a, on, the, on, a, on a monumental moment in sports 
the first Muslim head coach in the NFL history. And you, as, as a person who grew up in a Muslim household, you had the opportunity to throw to that. I mean, that you can't write that kind of stuff. Like, it was just absolutely incredible. It was a career highlight, no doubt. Oh, beautifully said, and, and I'm glad uh, you stuck with it and stuck with the name. Uh, the greater, you know, the, uh, Oakville and the Toronto area is 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 diverse uh, a place as maybe anywhere in the world. Uh, but I certainly going through hockey, Ontario Hockey League, uh, did you always feel uh, this was a, an inclusive space for you and a safe space for you? Uh, safe space, not always uh, in terms of uh, whether it was media or uh, hockey. Uh, it has certainly gotten better. Um, I will say that uh, th there's been there's been moments of adversity uh, at, at certain times, especially earlier on in my career, like like I, I want to say maybe t if, you know, 15 years ago ish kind of time frame. Uh, but honestly, when I look back on it, I think that uh, the conversations that are happening now, uh, better late than never, the con the, they're, they're necessary, they're happening now. And I do believe that the paradigm is shifting. And I think that's the most important thing. Uh, when I look back at like, from my point of view, the paradigm is shifting more people are being inspired and empowered to work in hockey, work in uh, television, pursue hockey, play hockey. And for me, ultimately, that's the most important thing. Uh, if we are giving everyone a fair chance to enjoy the game, to love the game, to consume the game, to give them multiple touch points, uh, bury, uh, lower the barrier to entry for them to enjoy the game, I think that we as a collective are, are doing our job. So. I, I'm very passionate about that, and I'm very happy to see that the paradigm continues to shift, but we have work to do, and I think that that is going to be a continual effort um, as the months and years go by. A couple of quickies with the uh, few minutes we have left. Uh, what's it been like working with John Tortorella, maybe Ryan Callahan? You know, some thoughts on, on uh, what it's been like in, in the crease and in this new world with the NHL being back on ESPN and you playing a major role in it, Art. So it's a dream gig. I, I absolutely love working on the NHL and ESPN. Uh, being a part of it is a, an absolute thrill. Uh, and honestly, when I tell people, like, this is exactly how where I would envision myself in my career. Like, I'm extremely blessed that I get to work on NHL broadcasts, on NHL shows and properties with such a talented cast. And I've worked with many people now, you know, whether it's Ray Ferraro and AJ Malesko and Kevin Weeks and Ryan Callahan, John Tortorella, like John Tortorella, like you said, um, Rick DiPietro, like many people um, in studio, on site, uh, every, people behind the scenes as well. Like there's so many passionate hockey fans at ESPN and there always have been just we didn't have the rights and we didn't have the megaphone to talk about hockey and now that we do um at this level it's amazing like this is exactly where i would want to be in my career i'm super pumped about it uh and i hope that you know i get to stick around and do it for years and years to come to answer your question directly um i had not had many interactions with john tortorella before we got in studio uh, and he's been absolutely fantastic i i find myself smarter every time i leave uh, us doing a broadcast together because I learned so much hearing him talk, asking him questions, uh, and he's been fantastic to me and to um, our other on-air talent and, and the crew as well. And so, you know, he seems to be enjoying it a lot. Obviously, I asked him on the air when there was uh, uh, when when um, 
when there were when there have been coaching changes in the NHL, particularly with the Panthers. I remember we were on the air that night, and I asked him point blank, you know, it's been great having you at ESPN, but you know, people will no doubt be coming knocking at some point. And he said, yeah, I'm a coach and I, and I want to coach. So, you know, it, it, it feels like maybe it'll be a limited time. Uh, that, who knows, right? Who knows? But uh, if a coaching opportunity comes and he does leave ESPN, I, I have nothing but positive memories of the games that we've done. And we've done a lot uh, at this point now. So it's been fantastic. But uh, hopefully it continues. And I'm glad you brought It's been a lot of fun. I'm glad you brought him up, uh, Rick DiPietro, uh, who I knew over at the Islanders who kept me laughing all the time. He loves sports. He knew more about sports uh, than I did, all the other sports, I should say, which is rare for an athlete. He's somebody who's got this passion for, for uh, all the most of the other games and teams. And so how has it been with Rick? Any anecdotes in your, uh, in your experience on air with him or behind the scenes so far? Uh, him and I have a blast. He's, 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 he's just naturally funny. Like he's just, he's a clown. Like that's the thing. Like him and I just clown around and do like ridiculous things. It's kind of funny because like on air, you'll notice it sometimes if the three of us are on the air, you'll see that like <laughs> Rick and I will like start joking around and like do silly things like, you know, rate people's fashion as they come to the arena and John will, uh, and Torts will just be like, can we get back to talking hockey, please? <laughs> like, it's just really, like, the dynamic is hilarious. It's, like, unintentionally funny, but hilarious. And so uh, Ricky is just perfect at that kind of stuff because he leans into it. And he's, like, he's extremely analytical, too. Like, he's really good at uh, dissecting plays, especially with goaltenders. Like, he's he's a gem. Like the, And also, credit to him because he does his radio show every day. And then the games that we're doing, usually on, like, a Friday night, He's coming up to Bristol to do them because he's coming from New York. Uh, well, he lives on Long Island, but he, he he does the show. He does his radio show, and then he comes up to Bristol, which is a hike, to do the games. And then usually on Saturdays, he's teaching his um, he's teaching a high school hockey team. So like he's got a lot on his plate. So props to him for uh, for juggling all of that because that's not easy. But. Uh, but yeah, it's been it's been amazing. Like, he, he's he's a ton of fun. Uh, lastly, I usually ask uh, all I guess for uh, some highline points of wisdom, advice to young broadcasters, uh, the next generation. But I actually want to be more specific to you and your experience as somebody of of Muslim faith, whose parents uh, uh, came over from Turkey. So for anybody who uh, doesn't, you know, fit that straight line that we might associate with broadcasters in hockey or let's say in sports, what is your message? What would be your message after what you've experienced the last 20 years or so to them, Art? So number one, if you're passionate about it, you have to pursue it. If you want to do it, if you love it, if you, even if um, you will be, uh, you know, not not what you currently see or, uh, you know, shattering barriers, etc. Good on you. If that's what you're passionate about, if that's what you want to do, absolutely go and pursue it. There's also nothing wrong, especially now. There's no better time now than to be able to create. Like it was more difficult when I was coming up to try and do it as a side project, so to speak. Right. Like I, you really had to dive into it head first in order to make a, a real go at it. But now you can honestly have concurrent paths in your life like if you have if you have that pressure that i did from your parents that are saying hey get a job you know we we don't support you uh, in this dream then maybe you're gonna have to give them something to to chew on maybe you're gonna have to to tell them look 
this is what I've created. Now this is viable. I'm going to pursue this. And then at that point, maybe your parents or your family will agree. But up until that point, it's never been easier now by creating your own content, by posting, creating a YouTube channel, getting on social media. Like all of these avenues are available to you, especially if you have it in you, you've got to put it out there. And that doesn't mean that you just need to shun everything else. You can definitely go get an education and even have a job. If you care about it that much, you're going to do it after work. You're going to do it after you're done your homework or whatever the case may be. Like It's going to happen for you. I did. I did it nights and weekends. I barely went out and partied. Like I just did that because that's what I wanted to do. I spent my Saturday nights learning what um, a camera person does uh, or, or a floor director does than I did uh, dancing on a dance floor and, 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 and being with my buddies. You know what I mean? So like if, if you truly care, you will want to do it. And then you will also reach out to people who have done it and you will figure out what works for you, what doesn't work for you. Like I'm, I'm a big proponent of all advice is, is, is valuable advice. Either, either it's going to tell you what you should do or it's going to tell you what you shouldn't do. But all pieces of advice are valuable advice. It's just what you take from it. So if you have the passion, do it. Uh, learn from the people who've done it before you. Uh, and, and take that plunge because you don't want to regret it later in life. Well, that's great advice. And you are now a model on a big, big stage uh, for so many people. And, and uh, we're lucky that, that you're in that role now. And I'm lucky and fortunate that you agreed to spend some time with us and do this and, and share your passion and your experience and, and everything else. I, I thank you so much, Char. I really appreciate it. Chris, it's been a blast. Thanks for having me. All right, guys, it's producer Pat Boyle, and that'll do it for this episode of Hockey Press Pass. A huge thanks again to Arda Ocal, and a gigantic thank you, as always, to everybody on the team, Danny Ksenia, and, of course, Chris Botta, but most importantly, you, the listener, for giving us a shot each and every week and listening to Hockey Press Pass. We'll be back with more episodes of Press Pass and some Islanders forecheck coming up in the next couple of days. And we'll be reading your fan mail questions as well. You can always send those to PressPassPodcast at gmail.com. And again, for Chris Botta and everybody else here on the team, I'm Pat Boyle. Thanks so much again for listening to Hockey Press Pass. Hockey Press Pass.